0: Hello everybody, welcome on the Lights on Data show. Today, we're going to see how to build an analytics-driven culture with responsible AI adoption.
1: And our wonderful guest today is Asa Willock. He's the Vice President and General Manager of Altrix Product Engineering, where he leads the machine learning and artificial intelligence teams. His passion for using the latest technologies to incubate new customer experiences is helping Alterx make machine learning and AI more accessible to technical and non-technical knowledge workers. ASA has also been granted 37 patents and honored with the prestigious 2017 Adobe Founders Award, and the 2006 Technology and Engineering Emmy. That is very impressive. Yes, Asa is honest. an engineering, <laughs> is an industry thought leader, and frequently speaks on the intersection of generative AI and analytics. Welcome, Asa. It's a pleasure to have you.
2: Georgiana, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Looking forward to it. Should we dive into oh,
1: so we have a, a very interesting topic, but as um, we usually do, we would like to start by asking for a fun fact about yourself.
2: Yeah, happy to. And the fun fact that I had to share with your audiences today is previous to my life in working in software and in digital IT was that I had a background as a stand-up comedian. <laughs> Two years. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Two Gosh, years That's jokes, really fun. <laughs> standing up and it taught me a lot of fun. So. Uh, <laughs> Really enjoyable yeah. time there.
1: Yeah, we love going to stand-up comedy, and we always admire how spontaneous the the stand-up comedians have to be, and how hard it actually is. Yeah, so yeah, that's amazing.
2: Yeah, but all worthwhile if you can make you know some friends, and family laugh. It's amazing feeling.
1: Yeah,
0: <laughs> for sure. It's uh, yeah, it builds a nice nice culture overall.
1: <laughs> it does. Thank you for the segue, George. <laughs> Building an analytics-driven culture our topic for today. So building an analytics-driven culture is a key goal for many organizations. Can you please share um, your insights, Asa, on why this is important and how it can benefit businesses?
2: Yeah, yeah, and it's a great question. And when I think about it, I, I probably think maybe in a direction that I don't know if everybody else has explored yet, which is that if you compare creating an organization that is almost like a life form. It's, it's a thing that takes on a mission of its own. And you are all the different components of that sort of enterprise coming to life and, and pursuing that mission. You have to imagine the analytics capabilities, the, the ability to understand your environment and respond to it as the senses you'd give that organization. You, you wouldn't create a life form today that was completely blind to its environment. Why, mm-hmm. why would you do that? You want to give it the best equipment, whether it's vision or echolocation or Sight and sound, or t- all the appropriate things, so that it can understand what's going on and then respond quickly in a way that that helps the organization on its mission. Business organizations are really no different, right? You're coordinating the work of hundreds, sometimes thousands, and I get that question pretty often as to why do we need analytics? And it's one of the, you really don't want to run an organization blind, and that's what you're talking about in the absence of that, where you don't necessarily have the background to inform all of your decision making or what's happening around you. And I think that's vital.
0: And of course, AI and machine learning, they're part of analytics and they're a significant part of analytics. Do you have any recommendations on how organizations can effectively integrate AI into their analytics strategies? And of course, what are some of the common challenges that they might face? Especially yeah. because a lot of the CXOs right now are saying, we need AI. We need to integrate AI as quickly as possible.
2: Totally. Totally. What, what I think we're all witnessing is a really interesting chapter function in the development of AI and machine learning it's a technology that's been around for more than 50 years in terms of its overall arc of development, and so what you're seeing now, though, is it's moving from a, a pattern where. I think every organization had maybe a, a Center of excellence where mm-hmm. machine learning took place or a really critical business function, but it tended to be one that was. Um, owned and operated by a relative few in that organization. The highest profile use case, relatively expensive to implement, known by a a small number into something that's a much more pervasive value proposition. We're now going into a world where every tool, every area of data, every interaction is likely to have a million little value propositions that are all powered by uh, utilizing AI in the appropriate domain. A good comparison that I like a lot is that Steve Jobs once made the the analogy of the electric motor to, to explain what we saw in, in the democratization of this technology. And that the origination of the electric motor were this, these enormous factory-sized things that were deposited in these organizations. And they had great application, but you needed tremendous resources to be able to put one in place, a whole team of mechanics to operate and tinker and keep it going elaborate belt and pulley systems to be able to bring that power to individuals at at the spots they were in organizations and it was just elusive for it to really make the ultimate impact because the cost of entry was just so high and the applications needed to be so needed so much care and feeding frankly and now we're going to a spot where whether it's advances in the technology or the accessibility of it being everywhere I think we're going to start to see that proliferate much more, and that's led to that moment of, "Hey guys, this is something that we need to make part of everything that we do," and and that's where I think that every organization is going to need to understand exactly how they apply it, and start to think of it not as just a domain somewhere in their org that's going to come up with something interesting, but really just part of how every worker in their organization is productive in the new speed of business.
0: And and we know there's certain industries that are jumping or they have jumped on on the wagon. Uh, first, and it's obvious why, but uh, do you see any type of organization that's working with data, they should
2: uh, get on this as quickly as possible? I think so. It's it's hard mm-hmm. to carve out individual areas um, that are going to say, no, that's really never going to step into this function because we look similarly to... People made frequent comparisons to the advent of the internet, but I also you know, evolved at a time where software companies were, were largely independent, and a lot of the individual enterprises that were out there didn't have a concept of how they would play in digital technology. They were like, that's there, and we're over here. We, we sell things, or we work in this particular domain, or we work in health. And I think we've seen over time, the concept of technology as separate from me uh, eroded substantially. There's no organization or very few left at a, at a significant scale that doesn't have a concept of how they play in a technological environment. It's just, that's how we do business. Mm -hmm. And I think that's where we're moving as well in an AI construct is understanding, okay, this is a part of how we do business. This is a tool that fits in the palm of our hand, just like the core nature of our business, just like digital technology did at that particular point.
1: So talking about creating content with generative AI, I know that George loves to, to use it for that, but it also has just as you mentioned an impact on data analytics. Mm-hmm. So how can generative AI enhance enterprise adoption of analytics and well, what practical applications have you observed so far?
2: Yeah, Deanna, it's, a, it's, it's the number two and three use case that we found when we released the generative AI survey. So recently Alteryx released what we refer to as the generative AI survey. And we were really interested in this question, which is, hey, when you imagine this technology, What do you think you're going to do with it? Because we were in early days where we're trying to figure, yeah, this can do anything, but when you can do anything, where do you start? And, and that led to exactly as you say, like content generation is right up there at the top and who among us hasn't played around with that one and started to extrapolate that into, Hey, this can help us synthesize content for our organization. But what we found right behind that and in manifold sort of different varieties was this can help me with my analytics. And when we explored that, what we discovered was it came into big buckets and bucket one was, I really want this to help me understand the information that I already have at my fingertips that just might be difficult for me to grasp. So uh, for an example of that is you might have and any of us who've worked in organizations for a while have gotten used to the concept of you have a business question and then you need to go find the person who has the business question because you're not necessarily confident in where can I find that insight? Where does that come from? You know that there's a mountain of dashboard somewhere or a wealth of data. But still your fastest path is to go chase down that human being who just knows everything and often they have is this dashboard the right one is this view the right one and the synthesis of that into uh, being able to consume easily for just an average person who's trying to work in the enterprise to say where can i find this and being able to have that at your fingertips was super valuable so we refer to that as analytic summarization which is like all right i have the information but how do i make it consumable and discoverable in a way that's really natural to the way that someone would ask that question. So that was one. The other one was the actual synthesis of the insights themselves, because what we find these systems really good at, and I think it's really neat, it's great at translating between different systems of information, different languages, if you will, And so you might have your systems of insight tucked away in a data warehouse in SQL. You might have it in a mountain of PDF files somewhere. You might have tucked it into a wealth of computer vision documents or in systems of records. It's it's all over the place. And the ability to use these capabilities to say, draw that out of all of these systems and answer this question for me, is a vital one. And you need to augment that capability. You need to give it the ability that human beings who know the shape of the data can Uh, make sure that it's correct and manipulate it but ultimately that was one that's really attractive not just because hey we're really interested in this stuff and it's right there with the technology but also it has the added benefit of being able to say the individual who's at the far end of this is maybe the most knowledgeable person in your organization they understand the shape of this data they have an idea about what that answer should be they can check that against the sniff test and when you think about that why that's so important we're talking about an emerging technology that as famous as it is for its capabilities is equally famous for its hallucinations for it's hmm. making up of answers. And that frankly can worry business leaders justifiably. And these analytics alternatives then give you a critical backstop of the person who's looking over that answer is the best, most capable resource in your organization who understands the shape of that data. So they can go, you know what, this seems great. I, I love this, this saved me a ton of time. Or they can say, You know what? That sounds uh, pretty off. Like, I'm going to go back to this one to find out why it said what it did. That's vital Mm -hmm. when you're working with these new technologies, right?
0: Mm -hmm. So you bring up a very good point because technologies like Gen.AI, also Alteryx, they're introducing a change in the organization. Mm -hmm. And and really, it's it's starting a rapid change that we're seeing as well. And Dan Everett has a really good question here. Culturally, how do you manage the acceleration of the pace of change right does um, that come before you're introducing tools like tricks? you think
2: so I, I agree with the principle of it i think that the the right way to think about it going forward is that every one of us if we all expect that this is going to be a part of our lives moving forward as knowledge workers as workers in general as technologists as pick your hat you're going to find a way that your role intersects with this capability then the right thing to think about isn't with a static amount of work, where it's like, oh, just spend less time doing it, or maybe the, the teams will be smaller. I don't, I don't think history bears that argument out. What we've generally seen is, hey, the speed of how my fast, the same sets of people work accelerates. The expectations of being able to come to an insight don't take three days anymore. They might take three hours. So how do we respond to that particular moment? What do we do? And uh, in the research that we've done, what we've found more often than not is, um, People don't seek out a system that gives them the answer. I don't think that's appealing overall. um, It's not one where people get the opportunity to discover and explore. I think One of the things that that I love best about the Alteryx consumer is they are passionate about the derivation of a solution, right? They know the problem that they have to chase down. They know the tools that they have to do it, but there is an art, there is a creativity to actually coming up with that one. And what they desire, and I've seen this pervasive, is that they're looking for a capability that fits into the palm of their hand. And then what is the acceleration? The acceleration is exciting. It's one of those moments that really clicks together where they say, hey, this is what formerly took me a lot of time, doesn't take that much time at all. And usually what falls away are the things that, frankly, you've done about a million times already. Those are the low hanging fruit that always tend to come up where it's like, hey, great, I made this creative leap, but now I need to document it. Now I need to convert this into, a set of reports that are static, that are fixed and and prescribed for me. What can I do to help myself through that? Because the same truth has always been here, which is that 80% of the time is spent on 20% of the value. And so if you can address that 80%, then the amount of time you're spent delivering value goes up and that's equally beneficial for the organization as it is for the individual who's actually creating that value.
1: So we've talked about the, the technology steps or technology-related aspects but when it comes to people, to the employees that actually start using it. So what strategies uh, do you find useful to facilitate a smooth transition to an analytics-driven culture?
2: Yeah, when I think about that, I come up with a few different things that I think I've seen be very successful. The, The first is to start relatively small with your goals. And what I mean by that is, when you embrace this in your organism wherever you happen to start um most of the time you get use cases into kind of again broad dispensations sometimes you get we can do anything so let's reinvent a system that reads email for us and tells us what to do all over the enterprise great goal huge enormous like every system has to be poured into that one it needs to be smart about everything exciting but also one that you're likely going to be working at for quite a long time Mm -hmm. right because I, i think that We get excited in the moment and we look past that all of that data still needs to be brought into a a model that makes sense. It all needs to be looked over. The models themselves need to be groomed and developed. And there's just a lot of work left in that one. And what I've seen where people have started to make the transition and find success and get excited about it is that they thought a little more tactically of, hey, we've got this wealth of data here. And I spent a ton of time grooming that there. This is a relatively high value use case that I can get off the ground with quickly. And then you find comfort in addressing all the things that you need to be able to make that work. Like, what should the shape of that tool be? Who's the right person to to use and answer this question? Who else are they working? How do we monitor these models and make sure that they're working well later? What do we do for components of responsible AI? Really a a topic that we've discussed quite a bit. And so those components of starting small and being incremental are key. Um, The other is to be multiple, right? And uh, when, when you start small in the areas of the organization, those that I've seen really embrace this and run quickly have been asking different groups, different departments, everyone from from legal to line of business to the data engineering teams have an effort underway to try and add value with what they're doing. And that value is local to what they're doing. And what you see there is, what has never really changed is that AI and ML is a practice. And what I mean by that is you can't go out and do one project and then look at the results and say, guaranteed that is going to produce an insightful change for your business that's gonna double revenue or change something else. It's just really rare that that happens because when you're working with this, there's unpredictability in terms of the amount of impact, the insights that you find have. Sometimes they are tremendous. Other times they're more in line with what you already expected and they give you validation. Sometimes they don't tell you anything. It's a little bit more like the science side of things. There's hits and misses. And so to be multiple, gives you the beginnings of that practice where you evolve it and then usually you can reliably say, out of the 10 things that we did, these three or four really minted a ton of value for us. And moreover, we started the practice that lets us evolve into something that we have to do. Mm-hmm. And then finally, you have to do it for every level, right? This is one where I think the mistake that I've seen more often than not is don't worry, the data scientists will take care of that. They will, right? And they do a tremendous job. But at the end of the day, what you end up with is still only a handful of people in the organization who really know how to operate this capability. You need to set yourself up for a situation where really every level of worker has the ability to create insights for themselves, to okay. start to develop with AI. Because if you're going to see that success, that means that every worker got up to the new speed of business. And that doesn't happen off of the backs of a tiny team.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: So companies need to not just invest in tools, but also training data literacy, make Mm -hmm. sure that if two people are taking a look at the same insights, they are drawing similar conclusions that they're not misrepresenting what they're seeing there.
2: Totally. And often they'll have very different looks at the same insight, which reflect on, hey, do I know that this is correct? Or, hey, I know this data and I know that we have more modern data, or I know we can augment it with this, which will evolve the insights. Or, hey, I'm aware that this model has some well-known biases. Let me substitute it for an alternative that's going to perform better for you. And often those have a dramatically different effect on what the answer is. Mm-hmm. And the richness of those different skill sets brought to bear on the same sets of questions is really what gets me excited about engaging not just AI, but at that intersection of all of these different personas. Mm-hmm. Uh,
0: Jean-Sebastian here I put an interesting comment, and he's mentioning that cus- customers have now access to many AI tools as well. And companies need to provide useful tools to support them more effectively.
2: Yeah, in terms of supporting people with all of the different tools, I couldn't agree more, right? The, The disposition of that one is probably two or three different things, right? One of which is there needs to be an awareness of what are the key components that allow me to feel like this is something that, again, fits within the palm of my hand. The value has to come very close to what I do in my day-to-day line of work. I find that if the opportunity for engaging with a system is distant, somewhere hidden within the enterprise, it's very difficult to understand what's available to you. And only a relatively small number of people are gonna go seek that out because they're very technology forward. On the other hand, where you bring the capabilities into the tools that people know and love every day, And we all have them. right? Every line of business, every function has critical software tools that we rely upon. Those are the ones that we look at and say, imagine if each one of these tools got three times faster. Imagine if they were three times richer with the information that they can provide. Imagine that it managed to do some of the more monotonous elements of work for you. That's where we tend to see the transformative value because you live and breathe in that tool every single day. And then the discovery process of which tool is right for me isn't necessarily relying on a very long cycle of discovery and word of mouth and moving their way through. Instead, the value comes to you. And uh, and we see tremendous value intersection with that. And then the second is as George, as you mentioned, is um the, the training and the development of understanding how to operate AI responsibly is vital, right? I think that every individual needs to have the expectation of what is this system and what is it really capable of telling me and and how will I know if what is telling me is correct? There have been some huge advances in things like how does transparency come into play? How does explainability come into play? And as simple as things as if I provide it with a structured set of examples of what I'm looking for, you're much more likely to get a useful result. Some of those are put into place by the vendor, but others of those are really the responsibility of the individual who's asking questions. Give it some guidance on where you want it to go. Second, and we've talked about this one in, in other venues, is the, the demand for references as to why an answer came forward to what it came for, and validating those is vital. We as human beings would rely on this just as the nature of what we do. Oh, that's the answer coming out of this article, but where did it come from? Oh, it came from this paper. It came from this scientist. It came from this information. It gives us the ability to do what is social validation of insights. The great capabilities we've seen that are evolving that allow you to say, hey, this is where that information came from, are possible through AI. And it does a huge amount of work for taking some of the the critical errors out of the system. And I think that's a vital one for every member of the organization to understand, not only the shape of their data and how it gets with their tool, but how do I know this is correct?
0: Hmm. LinkedIn user, for which I can't see your name, but they're mentioning companies leverage AI to interact with their customers, often creating frustrating Doom loops where human interaction would be more satisfying and efficient. How can companies be encouraged to leverage the technology internally so that their employees can focus more on the strengths and outcomes and to be able to then automate monotonous uh, processes?
2: Yeah, yeah, that's a great question. And thanks for that one. It fits very well with what philosophically Alterix uh, has been aiming toward, which is when you think about why analytics is so popular as a, as an application of generative AI. It's really exactly that, which is to say, instead of suggesting a circumstance where your end customer has to be the one who endures, not just like the trials and travails of an emerging technology, but any of those issues, you really don't want that experience to come forward to your end consumer. I, I'm, I'm aware of some organizations that have done that and they've seen some benefits, but also they're typically the ones that are more willing to endure massive risks to, to see the benefit of such a new technology. And when you talk about the largest enterprises on earth, that's just not true. It's not something where if you're a a relatively risk averse or large scale organization, the last thing you ever want is your end consumer being exposed to something that doesn't represent your brand doesn't leave them feeling delighted by the interaction. But as was mentioned earlier, you have amazing capable well-trained members of your organization who are always ready to help them. And the problem that, member of the organization, whether they be customer service or a retail representative or, or an executive like myself, is that a lot of the time that they spend and the difficulty in engaging all the different scale of individuals is finding the data at your fingertips you need. One of the most popular use cases that we see come forward is something like, hey, I have a gigantic product catalog and there's huge amounts of information around what is the best thing about that product? What does this product pair well with? Is it good for this? Is it good for that? Will this thing ship on time? Do I have information that I want to share with this consumer? And so that information might be available to a customer service agent. That might be available to uh, all sorts of members of the organization, but it's difficult to navigate at the time where someone's live on the phone with you or having a conversation with you. In that scenario, what they ask for is, hey, give me a conversational version of the system. Give me a discoverable setting that allows me to interact with this person much, much more quickly and to do it in a way that allows them to gain the benefit of having all the inside of the organization at their fingertips, where I'm not live scrolling and digging and hunting through data to go get it. And that enables that simultaneous element of they have all the best information, but they also have the delight of interfacing with another human being, which is a really valuable disposition.
0: And yeah, and, and to your point, then, organizations need to make sure that they are using AI and analytics ethically, responsibly. So responsible AI adoption is very important. Do you have any guidelines, principles that you think companies should always follow to ensure that uh, this is happening?
2: Yeah, absolutely. It's it To me, it's the most critical moment that we're in right now, is yeah. that responsible moment. I yeah. typically speak toward three things in this world. Well, the first is to embrace regulation. I know that there are questions around there about what is right? Where should we go? What do we think about regulation? Is this good? Is this bad? The general counsel I give is regulation is providing a much needed floor for every organizational leader to understand what is good. Because if you're a CIO right now, if you're a, a CDA or if you're a data science leader, you're asked this question on a regular basis. What is good, responsible AI? What's a baseline to go with? And you don't want to be in a position where you're coming up with that out of thin air right? That's something that there are industry luminaries, thought leaders, and they have spent countless hours with different localities around the world, different regions, different lines of business and industry who have cultivated guidelines that frankly help a ton. And they're largely very similar. They have differences among them, but those regulations allow us all to meet a common bar and say, ah, we can do this. This is great. This is something that's evolving. So that's one that I think is critical is to embrace the regulation and, and embrace the industry luminaries who can point to use this technology, partner with this system because they've taken the work out of understanding what the disparate regulations are across the world that you have to meet if you do enact global business. So that'd be one. The second would be for your specific organization, it's really important to know what you stand for. So Alteryx recently did a, a discussion about our responsible AI principles, right? And I think that lives at the intersection of, okay, here are the global regulations as we see them. And here are our corporate values. Here's what we stand for. How do these two intersect? What should our customers expect? And while that might seem obvious, I think if you take this back to your organization and run this exercise, what you'll often find are different answers, which are, hey, are we on the bleeding edge of trying to provide the most advanced technology to people because we think it's amazing? And we're willing to live with some of the stumbles that go along with it because our that's our DNA, that's how our customers understand us. Or are we an organization that is 100% based on trust, our brand is oriented on confidence in data, And the last thing that we can sustain for ourselves is any kind of issue, but we also really need to make sure that we keep up with this moment. And when you start mixing those together with things that are vital for us to discuss, I think every leader is going to need to talk about ESG in this particular world. I think everyone's going to need to talk about toxicity and bias. You evolve a set of principles that can then guide your organization and more than guide it. You can share it with your customers, partners, et cetera, to say, this is what we do. This is what we're committed to. This is where we're going. And that, then goes to the third chapter is you need to refine your technical controls, right? Once you know what you stand for and what you're, you know, announcing that you're going to to do, Hey, we're going to commit ourselves to embracing the latest, most highest responsibility in explainability and transparency. We think it's vital to be able to explain every prediction that comes out of the system. If we possibly can, we know that's a reach, for example, but we want to commit ourselves to being at the vanguard of that. If that's the case, then your path is laid out for you pretty cleanly. You can embrace some of the amazing companies that are out there that have really pushed the needle along in terms of saying, here's a way that you can advance explainability. Here's a way that you can quickly test and verify systems because as an effort to make sure those controls come forward, it's, it's a lot of work. I don't think it's necessarily unique, but it's one where mm-hmm. when you look at those, it's there's some amazing things come out. I have partners with some amazing companies out there like Fiddler or Hazy or Troj. These are companies that uh, have really advanced the ball in saying, we will help organizations everywhere make sure that the models they deploy fit global regulation, fit toxicity and bias, fit really all the parameters that a modern, responsible AI system needs. So that's the formula as we see it. It's not simple and it's not short, but I think it's something that every organization can follow and gives them a great result. Right. So
1: let's talk uh, more about Alteryx. Can you explain how how Alteryx solutions and expertise can help organizations on their journey to building an analytics-driven culture?
2: Absolutely. Alteryx was founded with really that core idea in mind, which was that I've been blessed to spend time with the Alteryx founders, Dean Stoker and Libby Duane Adams, and their passion is infectious on this topic, which is that every member of an organization, not not just a, a highly technical few, can be... Trained, educated, and and given the capabilities to understand the shape of that organization's data. And sometimes that's very simple from something like, hey, I just I really need the ability to generate a sales report. And frankly, the tools that I'm using right now are are not scaling for me. I can't turn this into something that's easily schedulable or interrogable. It changes too much. Help me develop this capability. And the flagship product that Alteryx has in Alteryx Designer has frankly been a career defining product for. Uh, hundreds of thousands of ulcerates customers it, and they are passionate as has been mentioned many times they have tattoos of this product on their body it wow. means so much to them in terms of the impact to take them forward and that story of saying look we're going to make sure that this is a democratized technology has been true for eons as you mentioned like steve jobs and the electric motor who is trying to drive the personal computer revolution and we believe in that as ardently around data and analytics that is as much true today with the advent of ai and ML. I and mean, arena, Alteryx has been in since 2017, bringing those capabilities, not just to, hey, we've got a small team of data scientists, but every analyst can embrace these capabilities and should, because as we're talking about, the speed of your organization flows off the back of all of your employees. Mm-hmm. The ones you need to be critically thinking about addressing are, what do I do beyond my data scientist? How do I address my analyst? There's a hundred, maybe a thousand times as many of them in the environment. They're the people that I really need to start to arm with capabilities. So Alteryx is right at the center of that mission.
0: And have you encountered any misconceptions over and over again, or, or challenges that you've observed when when companies are trying to build those analytics-driven cultures with AI, with the responsible AI?
2: We have, but I think that they're they might be less anchored in once a company comes forward and says, "Hey, we're really interested in building an analytical-driven culture." Yeah. I feel like there's a lot of common ground that's already been reached at that point. of We understand that this is gonna offer us amazing value and we get that we're taking our people on an amazing journey. And we're gonna follow this pattern and we're gonna stay the course and get there. These lead to the, the most amazing journeys. The customers that I've had a relationship with who've taken that journey, it's been outstanding and they are they're friends for life in some perspectives because you help them raise their people up in terms of capabilities and upskilling, which is super, super rich. When you talk about the AI moment, I've witnessed two things that I think are, are probably general misconceptions that will take a long time to reconcile their way through. Maybe the first one is AI and ML is a big topic. What is an AI and ML problem is not always evident, I think, on the face of it. I think sometimes when you sit back and think about, well, do I have an AI and ML channel? What should I be doing with this? I think when people take the time to actually spend time discovering what the technology can do, it amazes them sometimes the amount of different applications everybody can have in their life. Uh, I have a friend here at Alteryx who challenges everyone and says, just take something you like in your life, something around data, take your job out of this for this, for a minute, but just take some component that you find really rich. And you talked about earlier about you know, the different hobbies people get into. Uh, I read a lot. right? I, I read upwards of a hundred books a year. And so the, the pattern and information about that reading is fascinating to dive into and spend time exploring And you start to very quickly get into what book should I read next? And it doesn't take you that long to start to come up with, I feel like I've got a better recommendation system than anybody does for me because I'm grooming and looking at this data myself and it really engages you direct to the heart of a problem. And so I think the misconception that sits around that one is ML for me. Maybe that's for somebody else. And I think it's actually for everyone. Mm -hmm. It's just a, it's a space that starts looking a little scary in terms of, there's a lot of words in there or there's a lot of different jargon that goes with that, but. I think if we have a mission to go with, it is AI and ML are really for everybody. And take a little time to explore your passion in it. Take a tour of the Alteryx products. They're they're free and available for trial on the website. I think what you'll find is you can very quickly come to something that enriches your life by a simple understanding of the data that already sits around you, even if you take your job out of it. And then maybe the second that I think sticks with us might be is that the relative pace that this new generative AI moment has caught up with us, I think leaves people really excited, which is great. Like people they are just thrilled about embracing this technology. They want to apply it. It doesn't do it. That is awesome. But it also, I think, leaves us in a disposition where we sometimes think we know a lot more about it than we do. And I'm not saying that we need to then take a step back and say, oh, we need to be afraid of this. I think that when you understand what it is as a system, which is it's an amazing system for predicting what words people expect to hear next from a human being or from a coding system. Then you can start to understand, all right, then the data that I feed it is really vital. I I need to make sure that I spend the time grooming that and building that foundation. That will take time. Or this application is different from that one. That's a really practical understanding. Uh, A recent survey that Alteryx did in the same vein was said that I think it was upwards of of more than half of board members consider themselves experts in generative AI. Within a year of its real coming out to market. And we, we stood back and kind of head scratcher on that one for a moment. I'm not sure very many of us can call ourselves experts in this technology. It's yeah. just, it's frankly so new. And I know that, that board members are amazing. But on the other hand, how much time do they really get to explore it? And it led us to a disposition of, I think we've set the bar for understanding it well, maybe too low. I think what that means is that we all need to invest ourselves a bit in what you said formerly, George, in education to make sure that we really feel like this is something that we understand really well and we get through those first applications. And then once we've gone through it a bit, and maybe we're at that point where we can really say this is something that we understand mm-hmm. really well, mm-hmm. uh, because otherwise we get conviction without any real founding and that can lead us to running around in circles, which is something nobody wants.
0: Right. And I assume what what, what their understanding of understanding is from the end user perspective, how they could use it, but not necessarily the guts and the, um, ins and outs on what makes it work.
2: Yeah. Maybe it's one where I think the root of it though, is one of spend time with it and spend enough time with it, where you discover the areas where you still have a lot of work to do, to make a system that's really effective. Tools like Alteryx can help, but it's also one where. We still need to understand the vitality of understanding the shape of that data. There is no high quality AI system without high quality data. And I think a lot of data leaders are taking the moment, looking back at it to say, this is amazing and I'm looking forward to deploying this, but what this has to do is this has to galvanize the quality and the strength of my data practice, because I've been living years on a scaffolding framework and it's time to really make this for real.
0: Yeah. I, uh, yeah, I love what, what you said. That's uh, my profession as well. I work within data governance, data quality. So it's always a challenge. And in a way, I'm always happy when things are, are blowing up like this, and there's excitement about AI, because then I can bring up my business case again. Okay, let's uh, clean our data too. Let's yeah. have a good data quality program, data governance program. Yeah. Um, Kate Strachny is here, and speaking of GenAI, I wonder if you can talk a little bit about Aiden, uh, which is the, your your new GenAI integrated with uh,
2: um, analytics. Absolutely, and and thanks, Kate. So the, the Alteryx Aiden product is something that we announced in May at our Inspire conference, and what it represents is that um, Alteryx has moved to the vanguard position in terms of providing generative AI capabilities in many different shapes and forms to that analyst that we spoke about in in great extent, and for that matter, to the critical roles in the organization that develop those analytical insights, whether they be the original analyst, but also to the data science and the data engineering roles that they sit adjacent to. And we look at that as really a complete package and umbrella that allows us to say, first, it's really simple bite-sized pieces of saying. Alteryx users have created thousands of hours of different workflows. What if we gave them the ability to use generative AI capabilities to summarize those quickly or turn an insight into an email that they could send to, uh, to their boss, to a particular client, et cetera. And so in May, when we released those workflow summary and magic documents, they met with huge applause in terms of saying, look, you just saved me a ton of time. This is outstanding. I really love this. But it goes much further in terms of Alteryx. Aiden is, is starting to offer a new product. We just announced what is our AI Studio product. And that is explicitly aimed at saying, if your role within an organization is as an analyst, where you work with data every day, you get asked, just like a data scientist might, to mature, frankly, conversational interfaces to surface that data from multiple different systems of record. For example, you might get asked, hey, what can I do to recruit new top talent? Where does that come from? What kind of offers should I make? What what people have been retained over time? What roles are necessary? Where are the best places to hire? Sounds simple enough as a question, but that data that I just mentioned touched on five or six different systems right out of the gate, And so you could be looking at a protracted effort of maybe waiting in a data science queue where they run something else down. Instead, we offer AI Studio, which takes the richness of the existing alterix ecosystem for grooming data and allows them to use best-in-class large language models to develop uh, applications that function off of that data. And often they're simple conversational interfaces that touch on some of the examples we discussed earlier of Hey, I can scale this in my org to every recruiting leader so that live they know hey is this an offer that I should make where should I start Mm -hmm. this recruiting campaign how should I respond to this particular kind of inquiry for talent and that's been seeing tremendous embrace because our customers say things like yes I am the person who's going to be asked to develop these capabilities you just gave me a tool that allows me to do it that doesn't require me basically replicating the entire journey of making uh, you know a, a large language model to do this with a few clicks, I can understand how I'm governing it, where the data comes from, what the results look like and how to deploy this into an ultimate application. And I think you'll see much more from us. We're just excited to share different incremental capabilities and we've got them coming out all the time. So stay tuned for more from Alteryx 8. <laughs> Beautiful.
0: I
1: love it. You've touched on this already, but can you share some success stories of the companies that you've worked with and what were the, the key success factors to for those successes?
2: Yeah, when I think about who's been successful, I, I actually go back even beyond the present generative moment, because as we shared in our survey, most companies that you work with are is still in early days, frankly. I think a lot of them are have things in market, have deployed different components, and are starting to measure ROI, and are rapidly tuning toward where we'll see the real value propositions of what's going on. But when I think about those who've been successful in AI and ML, I, I actually take a slightly different tack in this, which is in, in a former life, I worked with one of the largest uh, home construction retailers uh, that in the world today. Uh, we, we interact with them every day as consumers, they're well known. So they had showed me at one point that they did a tremendous amount of work to put together a recommendation for every consumer that comes to visit them. Mm-hmm. And that was an assembly of what have they purchased in the past? What's likely to be interesting in their area? What's the weather pattern that's going on? What season mm-hmm. are we in? Because it was vital to them as they offer all these different products to know you show up at one of their stores or if you show up at their website what should they recommend Are are you a person who's interested in garden products are you looking to do some home construction is there a plumbing thing going on and you look at that and you go wow that's really interesting and you spent and dedicated the effort to develop this analytical core to what you do you believe in it as an organization but what i really thought was successful was that they never stopped in that because what they found was Yes, you go through all of this work. This is the work of years to assemble this system. Every day I went through this process. And that was at that point a nightly batch process to say, for George, we think he's going to go to home and go. For Diana, which she thinks he's going to be really excited about our electrical equipment. But what they found from there is they said, hold on a minute. What about water heaters? And I always found this a really interesting example from that. I said, what about water heaters? And I said, we all have the same experience with water heaters. And I said, what's that? So they fail. I said, what do you mean they fail? And I said, yeah, when a water heater fails, when was the last time that happened? I was like, oh, God, it took me back to a story of the Water heater falls apart. You don't have hot water that morning, and maybe it's flooding your basement or worse versions of this one. They said, yeah, the, did you know that the water heater is the highest margin product that we keep here? I said, I didn't know that. That's, that's actually really interesting. I said, yeah, but the problem is the average sales cycle for a water heater is about four hours. Cool. I was like, wow, that's really bad. Like, well, think about it. Your basement's flooded with water. You're standing in the middle of that water. Get your phone out figure out what water heater should I get. Okay, can it be here in an hour? Yes, it can. Okay, sold. It's done. Wow. Meanwhile, your analytical system, or your recommendation system, or the offers you're making, they are unfortunately hitting that customer over the head with, "Hey, George, we really want you to come back to our garden center." And you're like, "I don't. Why would I'm not looking for that? That's not where it's going." So, how do advance systems that, through all the best of intentions, still have an enormous amount of mileage to go in terms of keeping mm-hmm. up at the moment? How do you make this something that is really delightful? Is it's ready for you, right? What you wanted was. The slightest signal that, no, you know what? I'm looking for water here. Gotcha. I know what you're looking for now. Here's your water heater. It can be there in an hour. And getting to a state where you can truly scale a technology like the ones that we have into something that can replicate the best experience of a small business, right? We talked about that earlier of the individual interfacing with another individual at an enterprise is the gold standard, right? Someone who really knows their business. I usually think of as a small business, someone who knows you, who knows what you're interested in, who knows the value of what they have on offer. Is ideal and the problem is scaling mm-hmm. and so we've got so much room left to go but the companies that i'm confident will do it are the ones who mine away at that journey every day every week every month to try and advance the cause of that because they are the ones who reach the innovative breakthroughs and say wow this system's amazing what did it take you to do it let me tell you we've done this journey over years where we cultivated this and turned it into something and we experiment with it. i think developing the practice that starts in data and analytics and ends in you're really showing value in your customers. Uh, that's the work of a lifetime.
0: Beautiful. Mm-hmm. I um, Yeah, it, it, it's a bright future ahead. And uh, I know uh, Dan Everett put his comment earlier on something else, but I think it matches here as well. And he's saying it's exciting, uh, scaring, uh, or both at the same time as well. Yeah, I, I have a term that I use for that one. So I feel excited, right? <laughs> Love it. Thanks so much, Asa, for uh, for being on the Lights on the AI show and putting the lights on how to build an analytics-driven culture with responsible AI adoption. And I'm, I'm for sure going to put some uh, links in the show notes. You have a couple on the AI principles that I think companies could look at and use and maybe adopt. And you have an enterprise of the future white paper as well that I think it's a very good read and informative.
2: That's great, George. Yeah, thanks you so much for the time, and thanks to the audience for the great questions. And uh, look forward to doing it again soon. Thanks.
1: Very Thank
2: you. Much. Much. All right.